You're listening to episode 39 of The Marketer's Mindset with Brian Burkhardt. Welcome back to The Marketer's Mindset, the podcast where we talk about how to create and sustain a powerful mindset to help you build a successful online business and lead a happy and abundant life. Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is an amazing woman with an impressive business pedigree. She's formerly the Senior Vice President and Corporate Ombudsman for the seventh largest bank in the nation. And with her law background and passion for helping others, she guided 60,000 employees to resolving workplace issues and served as an organizational irritant to assist the company in following its values. She later became the Onsbuds for Berkeley College of Music, one of the most prestigious music colleges in America. She's consulted to companies like Coca-Cola, Gentech, Monsanto, as well as private companies like the Boston Law Collaborative. Her innovative work led her to be featured in Inc. and Entrepreneur Magazine. This warm, funny, and insightful speaker has guest lectured at Harvard University, Harvard University Law School, and the Rockefeller Foundation, along with also being a keynote for Bank of Boston and the Corning Corporation. To add to her amazing accomplishments, Boston Business Journal named her one of their 40 under 40 business leaders, and she was commended by Governor William Weld for her mediation work involving a high school race riot. And to add a cherry to the top of this delicious ice cream sundae of business accomplishments, she's been honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Professionals in Dispute Resolution. But ladies and gentlemen, her story does not end there. After getting burned out with law and a severe back issue with her husband that left him in a two-year rehabilitation phase that causes business to lose all its clients, this go-getter realized two very important lessons. One, you need to have businesses built on systems. And two, you need multiple streams of income. With her amazing smile and her obstacles are optional attitude, this entrepreneurial attorney with 20 years of experience in creative problem solving and helping people gain power through knowledge put her superpowers to work helping small business owners to think deeply about who they are as the leader of their business and then find the right teammates to support them wherever they are in their entrepreneurial journey. She also teaches how to delegate with grace and ease and believes that delegation is a mastery level skill that leads to much faster long-term success. She loves busting the myths surrounding outsourcing and providing clear, actionable steps, a woman after my heart right there, that brings immediate results and is the founder of OutsourceEasier.com. Please welcome the GPS for consultants, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to repurpose their best-selling eBooks, online courses, and podcasts, Dina Lynch-Eisenberg. Dina, what? welcome. Oh my gosh, Brian, I'm so excited to be here. You're so kind. I'm really, we're going to have a great conversation. I can tell right away. Yes, we definitely are. You've got so much experience and you are so 
approachable. I watched a lot of your videos, um, both interviews and then your, <laughs> your individual ones. I just love how you come across. You're very warm. You're very knowledgeable. You you have a great present on camera. It's it. I'm I'm just excited. Oh, you're you very sweet. You. Can I just put you in my pocket and carry you around with me? Would you? I'd love yeah. to be adopted. <laughs> that would work for me. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, I want to start off on the show here. I saw on one of your, or actually was on your about page of your website on OutsourceEasier.com mm-hmm. that in addition to teaching your clients the mechanics to delegate with grace and ease, you also teach them mindset which is obvious what this show's about. So let me ask you, Dina, how important do you think mindset is in creating a successful online business? Oh, more than 50% of the, the job is having the right mindset because you can have all the skills, all the knowledge that you want, but if you won't allow yourself to use those skills and that knowledge in a way that serves you, what do you actually got? Do you have a lot of struggle? Do you have a lot of stress? You have a lot of guilt, but you don't have a lot of results out of that. So I think that, um, you know, I like to say that when you're self-employed, it equals self-development. And when you decide to open your own business, what you might not know is at the same time, you've decided to start on probably the greatest self-development program that we're ever going to be on. No, I totally agree. There's so much that you need to do, especially if you're a solopreneur. Um, you know, obviously you're good with outsourcing and stuff, but at the beginning, I'm sure you were wearing all the hats and trying to do everything yourself. So you've got to develop in areas. Well, I was, you know, I'm a lawyer. And one of the things that happens when you go to law school is you go in one person and you come out another. And there's actually studies that say that you law school sort of changes who you are. And, you know, one of the things you learn in law school is that I can do anything. That is the conditioning. So no matter what happens, if you ask a lawyer, can you do that? They're always going to say yes. And so when you start your own business, even though they don't teach you in law school how to run a business, there's just like an expectation that you'll know how to do it. And frankly, there's been a long-standing, I guess, belief in my profession that there would always be a need for lawyers. And since the market has changed, many lawyers have been surprised to find out that, hey, I now actually have to run a business. And so they don't really know how to do it, but they're just determined to do it on their own and do everything. And I was like that. I did all my own writing. I did all my own posting. I did all my own everything. And I'm not saying it was good because it wasn't. (laughs) It was just done. (laughs) And that, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel like they have to touch every single thing. And the truth is when you have that mentality, what you're really doing is limiting your reach. Yeah, and you're 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 slowing yourself down, and you're unable to scale because it's there's only so much you can do. That's right. You know, it's funny because I saw a sign the other day that says Beyonce has the same twenty four hours you do, and that is true, right? She's not getting any more time, but somehow she managed to do all these amazing things. How does that happen? She has team, and she believes that she is worthy of having people work towards her success. You know, I defined outsourcing as having somebody else help you outside your business achieve your goal, right? But you have to believe that you're worthy of having the help. (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. And that's, that's where it starts at. Because like you said, if you don't have that mindset, you could have all the tools, the knowledge and and help. But if you don't have that right mindset, you're going to hold yourself back. You are. And you know, I, I think because I come from a place of being a woman, part of my conditioning is also like, you know, we're supposed to be able to handle everything. So when you combine that with being a lawyer and a woman, it's like, well, there's nothing I shouldn't be doing. I feel guilty if I'm not doing something for somebody else or managing something, right? Just is the way we're made up. Now, talk a little bit about that. That's interesting, Dina. I, I never really thought about it, obviously, being a man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of women listening here are female entrepreneurs. How how do you go about, I let's say, I guess I want to say a, a healthy approach to it because, like mm-hmm. you said, I'm a woman and I'm a lawyer and I'm I'm I should be able to do all these things. I should be this superwoman. But obviously, you know, you need time for yourself, you need time to recharge, but a lot of women that I see take on a lot of responsibility and a lot of worry for family members and friends and mm-hmm. they really carry a lot of load. How do you health healthfully I don't even that's not a, even a word. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in the urban okay. dictionary. How, how do you so, how, how do you have a healthy approach to that? What 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 would you say? What has your mindset been around that? Well, you know, it's been a growing mindset because you're going to have to grow into more ease around this. So when I first started my very first business, both my children were under five. I still had a law practice and I was starting a business, and literally, wow. I was kind of killing myself. Um, and one of my mentors said, because literally, I was like cleaning the house at odd hours of the time because I felt like. The kids all have to be taken care of. The husband has to be taken care of. The house has to be clean. We have to have all these fun activities we're doing. And I have to start this business. And it all has to go pretty well. I mean, I'm I'm somebody who's a stickler for a high-level quality. So I want it to be almost perfect. And my mentor said to me, you know what? You're right. The house has to be clean, but it doesn't have to be you cleaning it. If the goal is to have a clean house, make up your mind that that's the goal and then find other ways to meet the goal besides you cleaning the house. And that meant getting a housekeeper. For women, we're kind of conditioned to think about what we can give to others, right? And we always want to be giving and seeing how we can help somebody else achieve their goals. But we forget when your picture gets empty, you have nothing to give to anybody else. So... If you give, 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 and give, you're depleted. What are you actually giving? Less than yourself. It just makes perfect sense to think about how can you refill your picture? How can I do things that still meet my goal? I want my family taken care of. I want my work to be good, but also take care of me. And that, for me, that means carving out that time. You have some rituals that you do every day, every week that are just for you. You need those. We were just talking about this, I have a Facebook group, and we were just talking about the fact that Sundays are soulful Sundays. Why? I want you to spend the day filling your soul with things that make it possible for you to help the people you help during the week. And one of my members said, you know what? That's so hard for me. I feel guilty if I'm not working, right? That is the lawyer-woman double whammy. We need to be doing something for somebody else all the time. But the truth is, that just runs you down. It turns off your creativity. It numbs your emotions. 
And so you're not really giving your best self. So when you're thinking about uh, what else can I give, start thinking about what can I give to myself. Yeah, it's so true. And and you've heard, probably heard this analogy before, but they always talk about it. If there's a problem with an airplane and it's going mm-hmm. down, they always say, put your mask on first before your children, yeah. which is counterintuitive, especially probably for a mother. But yeah. if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to help the others around you. So You have nothing to give if your pitcher is empty. You need yes. to fill your pitcher with rest. Rest is such a hard thing for entrepreneurs to accept. You need I'm to bad rest. At that. I'm bad at my sleep <laughs> schedule. I need to I need to get more. I've been researching and listening to podcasts and things about how important sleep is and that's one of the goals I'm working on right now. Me too. I mean I'm not the best rester, but heck I'm getting better at it every day. And here's how I do it. For people who are like, Well, I just can't rest, it's because you're I call my inner princess. She's she's Ooh. very bossy. My inner princess is trying to take care of me, right? She says Right. You know what? We have to work. Good things happen when you are working. I believe that good comes from hard work. That's what she believes. So she's always wanting me to get out and do something. It's a work-related, right? Always right. giving me new ideas for products or things I can be doing for my clients. So I have to negotiate with her on the weekends. And so we have this discussion, and I say, well, what are the three things that you think are absolutely essential in a princess that I have to get done this weekend or you're not going to let me enjoy myself? And then she tells me, and it's just a process of sitting, getting quiet. Like, these are things I know that I will be anxious about if I don't finish over the weekend. Then it's just three, because otherwise the list could be very long. So you have right. to be disciplined around that. It's just three. And then when you set what those are, do them and then be done. Have the rest of the time where your mind is free to relax because you've already satisfied your inner princess and said, okay. Now we've taken care of work. We're going to be fine next week. Now let's rest and play. I think that's so powerful what you just said there. Now, was that a self-discovery thing for you, Dina? It was because, you know, I would just say, like, why why can I stop? Why can't I stop? And I would ask myself that question, and eventually I started listening to myself. That's the other thing that entrepreneurs don't do very well. We listen to everybody else's advice about how to run our businesses, we fail to listen to ourselves. You already know the best way to run your business. You're just asking people for confirmation. Listen to yourself. So I started listening to myself. And she would say, well, if you do these things, I will be happy. I'll let you know. And I just started doing them. And it made a difference. That and something I called intention setting. So today's oh, Monday. After my heart right there. Talk there about go. that. So today's Monday. And in my group. We have an intentional vibe Monday. Every Monday, I set the intention for the entire week on how I want to feel every single day. And you know, it works. When you say at the beginning of the day, I would love to end this day feeling proud and satisfied by all that I accomplished and all the people I helped. Ten, nine times out of ten, at the end of the day, you've done things that make you feel proud and accomplished. And it's just about setting that intention because, you know, you know the way our minds work, right? Our minds are just sorting bins. So when you set your mind and your intention on a certain thing, your mind starts sorting. How can we make that happen? Where can we bring that experience to this person? So every day you set that intention, your mind will work to bring those things in front of you so you can have that experience. We just don't do it because most of the time, especially with lawyers, we think that's 
hooey, who woo-woo stuff and it doesn't work. Well, that's fine. You can think that all you want because I'm not trying to talk to your mind. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to you, your heart and your being and your being will get it, right? Yeah, I I love that you said that. That's something that I think is so powerful. And that's one thing I try to incorporate too. And I do more, my more on a daily basis to set the intention. But I also do it for each podcast. Like I set an intention for today's podcast with you. Yeah. That it was, we were going to have fun. We were yeah. going to laugh. And we were going to share just some excellent information that is going to bring value to the listeners and stuff that they can implement immediately in their business and life and make a, a, an improvement. And you just shared right now, we're only like 16 minutes into this and you've already shared amazing things that I just want to touch on real quick. Um, one, I love how you said you talk to your inner princess. One thing that I've, I've kind of learned now through studying, I love studying, personal development stuff around the mm -hmm. mind and behaviors, what makes people do things and what holds people back from doing things. And one of the things that I've learned from doing it is everybody says, how do you stop the mind chatter? How do you get rid of the negative mm. thoughts? I don't care if you are a Buddhist monk and you're meditate for 20 hours a day or whatever, mm. you're still going to experience that. So you're mm. never going to get rid of it, but you need to learn how to use it. And I kind of like to refer to it as mind judo or brain judo. <laughs> yeah. Because in judo, you're not trying, you're, you're using the opponent energy that's coming at you to basically ward them off, you know? So there's a yeah. lot of flipping and using their energy. You're not out there trying to beat them up. So I kind of look at it that way. It's, it's mind judo where you're going to have the negative thoughts. And instead of trying to say, how do I get rid of them and never have one? That's never going to happen. So how do you maneuver with it? And with you, mm -hmm. you just gave a great way how you deal with your inner princess. And people, I hope, if, if you guys did not take notes on that, at the end of this interview, go back and listen to that part. I'm sure there's going to be more throughout this interview, but listen to that and try it, whatever you want to call your, you can use Dina's inner princess or whatever you want to call it, but apply that. It is so powerful and it allows her to be productive and deal with that stress and angst of trying to take everything on. She has developed a way to deal with that, not to eliminate it, but to deal with it properly. So I think that is so awesome that you shared. And then the last thing, intention, which you just shared right there is powerful. I think everybody needs to set it, whether it's on a daily basis, for the week, Whatever it is, set that intention because you're going to be going into it prepared to these situations instead of just reacting. You're going to be proactive and you're mm -hmm. most likely going to get the outcome that you set your intention to because it's funny how the universe works like that. Mm -hmm. um, but if not, when something comes up, you're in a better mindset to handle it so you can deal with those situations. So I think those two things are just so powerful what you talked about. So thanks for sharing. Oh, my pleasure that, you know, I love talking about this stuff and how to get folks in a better place. What you just said around obstacles was so key because, you know, often as entrepreneurs, we come up with the thing we can't do. Like, I don't know how to do this. Or the big thing now is video, right? We all are right. supposed to have video on our website. And it's true. Video does convert better. So it's hard to argue with the factual part of it. But people resist. I resist. <laughs> and we so. All do. I just have to like 
figure out how can I make this work for me in a way that's comfortable. So I'm doing it and, and I'm doing it as my authentic scared self, right? So people will say, well, I'm only going to do this when I get ready to do it. Well, no, <laughs> you're going to do it now when you're unready, but you're going to make yourself as comfortable as you can do to do it, right? So when it comes to video, if you say you can't do it, that's fine. But let's think about other ways that you could make video happen for you because you need it to happen. It's good converting uh, without scaring yourself or making yourself upset. You could do a slidely video, right? You right. could... Um, you know, just practice doing short videos on your iPhone. That's what I've been doing. Like everyone, every time I think about it, I try to do a little Facebook Live. It's just the repetition of doing it that makes you more comfortable with it. So you can find ways to get around your obstacles if you're open to doing that and empathetic to yourself. Right? We have lots of empathy and compassion for other people. Sometimes we don't have as much for ourselves. And I love that quote that says that you deserve your love and affection as much as anybody else in the world. And as an entrepreneur, that's absolutely true. You are brave. We just don't say that to ourselves enough. We are very brave. And we deserve that compassion around being brave. It's scary. Other people are not taking these risks, but you are. Other people are not stepping up to share their message in the world. But you are. So I want you really to recognize yourself for that. And that piece comes around um, the emotional smarts that we've been talking about. So being able to be aware that you're having some difficulty with something, being compassionate for yourself, and then finding other ways to let yourself do something that you're scared of is all about being emotionally smart. Yes. And, and we all need to work on that. So I thank you for sharing that because people really do need to realize that they are enough. Yes. And like you said, be authentic, be who you are. Um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to slip up. But I found like with the show here, I don't do a lot of editing. Mm -hmm. If there's ums or whatever, or different things, I'm not worried about that. I want it to become across as a uh, a genuine, authentic conversation that's just adding value. Just two people just having a great conversation over a cup of coffee or something, you know? And yeah. you're a fly on the wall listening to it. And it's not going to be super polished, but it's going to add so much value. It's going to resonate with people. And that's what I want it to be. So I'm glad you shared that because that's what I it agree. needs to. Let me ask you here, Dina, what is the biggest challenge that you've had to face in building your own business? <laughs> Wow. You mean, well, of course, there's the story of my husband. I'm happy to tell that one. But we talked about something before we got on. So I'm going to touch on that, too. So for those of you who don't know my story, I was living the entrepreneurial dream. I had a six-figure business. Um, I was doing really well. My husband had a million-dollar business. He was in um, market research. And one night, he sneezed. Now, everybody sneezes, right? You know, not right. a big deal. Well, that sneeze changed my life. In 12 hours, I was living a completely different life. Why? When he sneezed, he ruptured two discs in his back and the nerve sac that rests at the bottom of your spine. That little bundle of nerve controls all movement in the lower part of your body. So wow. rushing him to the hospital in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., Probably the ugliest time to be at the hospital is quiet, it's cold, all the negative thoughts have plenty of time to find you there. And the 
surgeon comes out and says, pretty much what you hear on TV, if we don't operate in 90 minutes, he's going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. So at that moment, all my focus went to him. How can we make this happen? We have to make sure he's fine. Three hours later, he gets out of surgery, and thankfully, he is fine, but he begins his two-year recovery. And that means me running to Best Buy to buy a laptop for him to work from rehab. Now, how ridiculous is that? Why wow. did that happen? Because he had no backup. Well, I have been outsourcing almost the entirety of my career and using other people's labor to help me accomplish my goals. He never wanted to do that. So he had no team, no virtual assistants, no client list. No one knew. I mean, I had no idea the list of clients, no list of deliverables for people. So folks were calling and saying, um, we're expecting to have X, Y, Z. And I had no response. I was a spouse who had no ability to respond. And I realized a couple of things from that. One, there's so many entrepreneurs who are exactly in um, my ex-husband now, because that's what happens when you don't address these issues, you lose your family. What he hadn't done was prepare, right? He hadn't thought about, well, how can I protect my family? So he didn't have backup. He worried more about giving away his trade secrets than creating systems that would support his business if he had to be away. And so I just got really concerned with that and want other entrepreneurs and lawyers to know part of having a business is creating systems so that your business can run without you. If you can't be away from your business for a day, what do you really have? So you need to be thinking about that. How can I protect my family and myself? How can I create systems so my business can run without me and be more sustainable? Not only is it going to protect your family, but it actually allows you to do the work that you love and actually build those relationships so that you get more work coming in. So that's how I got to spend more time thinking about and talking about outsourcing for folks who either run a solo law practice or solopreneurs. And through the course of my husband's illness, because it's two years recovery, I actually was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And it's something I I don't usually share, but we talked about this beforehand. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to talk about this this time because it's part of the mindset thing. You know, when you're now physically challenged or a health challenge, in addition to having the stress of being an entrepreneur, it becomes even more important to have ways to give yourself a rest, to have your business run without you on the days that you just don't feel like you're going to be able to function at your highest. And to structure a business that really supports the life that you are living now. So my business supports the life I must live now. So there's plenty of time for yoga and rest and those kind of things because those are the things that support my health. Yeah, and that's so important. You know, it's people always say, oh, that's so cliche when you hear certain things. But the reason is because it's so true. If you don't have your health you don't have anything. So that's got to be number one. So I appreciate you sharing that, Dina. I think it's so important because I'm sure there's so many people out there with different health issues or maybe even the same that you're, you're going through. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing that you are building a business still and not letting, um, you know, a lot of people would let that be a label on them and hold them mm-hmm. back. So 
I, I commend you on that. I think it's awesome. And one of the things during the research on you that I also found is you have an awesome motto that is try, fail, learn, and grow. Oh, you did find my motto. That, yes. that is exactly I it. I love that. And just share with us how how much that mindset has helped you to face not just your business challenges, but also to deal with the diagnosis of MS. I'm sure when you first got it, it was a shock to you. How how did it you? Was very much a shock and kind of strange. You know, when your hair starts hurting, it's definitely time to go to the doctor. Wow. Um, <laughs> but first time. <laughs> the first time my hair started hurting. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so repeat the question for me again, so I'm going to answer it correctly. Yeah, I was saying your your motto: try, fail, and learn, yeah. and grow. Okay, how did that come? Where did that come? Yeah, from? how? Because I don't. I always think there's an answer to everything. Sometimes that you don't like the answer, and very often I find clients when they say, well, I don't know what to do, what that really means is I don't like the answer of what I have to do. Can you help me find a different one? Yeah. Uh, right? A different route. Right. So that's where the trying comes in. You can try lots of different things, and there's no harm in failing. Sometimes we think that we you know, try three things. Oh, that's too bad. Too many. We've tried five things. Oh, gosh, it's horrible. No, just keep trying until you find the one that works because each time you try and you don't succeed, you learn something. It's an iterative process. Why don't people understand that life is really an iterative process, right? You fail, you go again, you learn something, you go again. And so that's really how I feel about all of my life, all of my life, not just my business. I try things. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. I like them. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but the, the experience of having new learnings is what grows me as a human being. Yeah, you need those. You need to go through those. And the thing is, the key though is to learn from them. And it sounds like that's one thing that's helped you to become successful. Is you just don't go through the situation and you know Take survive it. it. Yeah. yeah, you you learn from it, so you don't just survive. You thrive. I mean, you yeah. come out better at the end of it, which is awesome. Which is a, a process of actively looking for what happens. So on Fridays in my group, we have the Friday feels. And it's about looking back through the week and thinking about what did I do? Because oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we don't really look back at our successes, do we? We're so right. forward-looking and forward-facing and marching, we don't look to see what successes we've had or what failures. And if we're looking, as human beings, you know that we're – hardwired to look for the negative, right? That's our lizard brain protecting us. So the first thing you think about is the negative thing. So we're already looking for that. So I have to remind people, start looking for the positive things and then look how you did that. I, successful people often know how they created their success and they see that it is a pattern, a repeatable pattern. So start studying your life the way you study everybody else's marketing stuff, right? What have yes. you been doing in your life that has made the difference? And this is particularly real for me right now because as I'm building out so it's easier, I started thinking about the different times that you mentioned at the top of the call when I've been hugely successful. What made those times happen? And for me, it's been about when I've connected with people on an individual level and talked about what was important to me. Right? That's where my success comes from, not from doing all the marketing stuff and yada yada, but from having conversations 
and getting people to say like, yes, I understand that idea. I agree with that idea. I resonate with that idea. And building community around ideas. So that's how I've been successful. So that's what I'm asking other people to do. Start studying your life. Start studying your own patterns. Try things that you don't think that you should or want to do because you're going to be surprised at how much better you're going to be after that experience. This past April, I did something totally shocking. What did you do? I, I wanted to, and I knew I was going to be you know, really relaunching the business and doing some new programming. And I'm a teacher. You talked about the fact that I teach a lot. I think that when you're teaching other people, you have to have a brand new teaching experience, right? To get yes. you back in that mindset of what it's like when you're a beginner and it's crappy. And, you know, you're just like, oh, I, I want to do this, but I can't. So this April, I took swimming lessons. Now, I've been someone who's been afraid of the water my entire life. So wow. it was a huge challenge for me to sign up for this swimming course. Very, I call It's called Miracle Swimming. I highly recommend this program to any adult who fears swimming. It's based here in San Francisco. And I faced that challenge. And what I learned was that when you start something new that scares you, you learn a lot about who you are as a person. And all of those lessons can apply to all parts of your business and your life if you will let them. Right? So here I am learning to put my head in the water and turn and stroke. And my instructor is watching me and he says, do you know you have a gap? Oh, what are you talking about, man? Gap. What are you talking about? Focus on the swimming gap. <laughs> What's this? Hey, don't what get personal, this? pal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Are you talking about the gap in my teeth? What? He goes, no. When you, I can see that when you get to the top of turning your head out of the water, you get scared. You leave your body, and there's the gap where you're just sort of paused and nothing is happening. And I didn't realize that, that I was doing that, but it was true. And once he pointed it out, I was able to feel myself come right up to the edge where the gap is and experience consciously being scared and going ahead. And that made all the difference for me because it put me in control of that again. So I think the folks, if you're like at a place in your business where you just don't know what to do or you're having a tough time, try doing something new, fail at it, learn, use those lessons to move yourself ahead. I love it. I, and you know what's so cool about what you just said too, Dina, is it's not in business. You tried something that was personal in your life that one, you didn't know how to do, but two, it was also a fear. So you're accomplishing two things at once. You're dealing with a fear that you have plus an unknown skill that you've never learned, you know? So, but you were able to take the lessons from that and say, hey, when I face this in my business, I can relate it to my experience of fear and not knowing how to swim mm -hmm. and do those same mental strategies and and that same approach in my business. So I think that's so powerful that people just get the message. It doesn't have to be something new in your business. It could be something personal that can carry over into your business. So I'm that, still living off of that sense of accomplishment, joy. I have my little gold medal that I got at the end of the class. Nice. I'm sitting near my desk because those things matter. If you don't cheer yourself on, 
you know, you can't always rely on other people to be there to do that for you. You have to have your own internal cheerleader along with the princess. So yesterday yeah. I was watching um, channel, you know, PBS, and they were having a special on Michael Caine. Now, everybody knows Michael Caine is an amazing actor, right? Yes. Well, it turns out that everybody in his life told him that he was rubbish, that he should stop acting. He would actually be giving the theater a break if he quit. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine that? What and a he, slap. I'm telling you. But he said, I never gave up. I took the punches. I rolled with it. But internally, I knew I was going to persist as long as it needed to take to succeed. And that man was knighted by the queen. So obviously, he was his own cheerleader. Obviously, he had compassion and faith in himself, and we need to bring those same things to ourselves and our businesses. You have to believe in you. And I know that sounds real, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, kind of, yeah. You just have to. You just have to. However, however that has to happen for you, however you have to make it happen, you have to do something that makes you believe in yourself. Yes, it's it's so important. Like you said, we we – always value other people's opinions and we look at their accomplishments, but we never reward ourselves. So it's cool. You got your gold medal there to remind you. Look at you and Michael Phelps got some stuff <laughs> in common there. Yeah. I got a couple more medals to go to catch up to him, but he better watch out. Hey, who's counting? We're just looking at gold to gold. <laughs> That's right. Gold to gold. I'm a gold medal winner. And I think That's we should right. all feel I'm like I'm sure the princess was happy to wear that. She was very happy. She was giving me lots of kudos. <laughs> hey, now, in fun. swimming there, obviously you had a coach. Mm-hmm. What about your business, Dina, throughout your, your um, entrepreneurial business life and stuff? Do you have any mentors or coaches? Do you have any oh. now, or did you at the beginning, or what? You know, in the beginning, no, because I was still kind of my lawyerly self. Um, so in the beginning, lawyers don't necessarily love to have coaching because we think we know everything. So it's hard to have a coach if you're still in the lawyerly mindset. And that's largely why I work with lawyers now, because I understand that there's a hurdle for them to, to get over. I am so atypical as a lawyer that I've always liked to have somebody else help me or be my companion on my path. And whether it's been a mentor who has you know, been more casual or it's been you know real coaches who I engaged and paid a lot of money to, I have had that help. And I think it's invaluable, particularly since you can't always see yourself clearly. And although we are often hard on ourselves, sometimes we will not hold ourselves accountable to the things that are going to be the, make the most difference in our business and in our lives. So you need to have somebody else outside of you watching, guiding, holding you, and holding that space for success. Yeah, it's so important what you just said there with accountability. And I think that's one of the great things that you've incorporated. I've heard you mention it a few times uh, today on the discussion is that you have that Facebook group. And I think mm-hmm. that's so powerful because there's a resource where people can go that are like-minded. Um, they can get coaching from you. And I'm sure with you bringing up topics about, hey, think about your successes, um, feel good Fridays and stuff, you're holding them accountable to actually go through and do the work, and it's so important. So I, I think that's agree. awesome that you have that group. Thank you. 
You know, it's funny because it's the part that we don't necessarily think about as business owners. The emotional part is just as important as the technical skill. Yes, you could be a great marketer, but you still have to have your you know, headset in place, as you say. Get the, the mindset. Now, what's one? Uh, what would you say was the best piece of advice that you got from one of your mentors or coaches or someone that you looked up to in your business? Ooh, is that a deep question, Brian? We got to get deep. You know, I think probably one of the most, most meaningful things that a coach has ever said to me is that you have to be as real with your clients as you possibly can. And that takes a lot of courage as the entrepreneur to really be with your clients, not just tell them what to do, but be with their emotions and their challenges around doing the work. I mean, that's actually why I like my work is that I'm able to be with people when they're sort of confused and get to be there when they make it to the end goal. So, you know, and I'm always real about that. That's the thing about my coaching. When I'm confused, you'll know, because <laughs> I talk about it. So I try to be very real. So that was probably the best advice I got. People don't necessarily want to have your knowledge. They want your caring and they want your sympathy and your understanding in, in addition to knowledge and maybe even more. So being real, I've just tried to be real and that's kind of work. Yeah. I And I think it's so important. I think it, one of the best things um, with social media and stuff right now is that it's bringing out the people that really want to be authentic and help people. So it's really allowing them to do that because, you know, with social media, it's out there. Uh, and the people that are fake. <laughs> it stays out there. <laughs> Thanks to the cloud. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And for the people that are fake, it, it comes through They're You're going to find out. So it, it's that part of, uh, what, what is it? Brene Brown writes about vulnerability. Yeah, I and love that's, her. Yeah. Oh, I know. She's. I listened to a great interview that uh, Chase Jarvis did. He mm -hmm. did a, a series of 30 Days of Genius. And I don't know if you know Chase. He's a photographer no, who now helps fellow. So. Oh, look at it. He's got great, great interviews with some just top-notch pe people. So, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. I'll send you some information. We'll also have a link uh, down in the show notes and stuff to that because I think a lot of people get a lot of value on that. Now, I do. Watching uh, your YouTube videos, and you mm -hmm. kind of mentioned it here, one of them I liked was you had one that says, how to use emotional intelligence to get past a major fail. Yeah. And in that video, I don't know if you remember, I think it was the beginning of this year on yeah. Adina, but you shared a great story about a woman in your Facebook group that was having a big launch coming up. Yes, yeah, so hopefully I'm going to remember the story. You're going to have to help me because you know, I'm a little brain okay. fart. I'll, I'll touch on it here and it'll, it'll okay. probably spark here. Okay. But um, she had a big launch coming up. She worked on a, a big mm -hmm. project. I guess it was a, a course or something she was coming out. And her <gasps> VA accidentally sent out passwords to everyone on the list. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. And and there were three things that you mentioned in it. I don't know if you remember. I guess I can say them and you can touch Please on it. do because I'm not going to remember. <laughs> Self-awareness. Yeah. Self-regulation. Yep. And social awareness. Yes. And I love that story. If you could just touch on those. I thought that was just very powerful what you yes. shared there. 
Boy, we are having like a little mind melt here because those are the <laughs> things I really wanted to, to talk about. So self-awareness is really just about knowing who you are as a person, but as an entrepreneur too. I like to say to people that you are a sovereign nation of one. And you should remember that about everybody that you meet. Everybody has their own way of doing things, looking at things, um, ad addressing problems, making decisions. And you have to know who you are to be able to share that with somebody else so they can help you. If you never explore how you like to make decisions or you know how you like problems brought to you, some people only want to know about the problem when it's done. <laughs> And yes. you're just reporting what happens, right? right? Other people want to know way before it's going to be a problem. You need to know which one you are. And that's around self-awareness. The other self-awareness thing is, do you know what you do when you're afraid? You know, like in sports, we have a balk and you're like, it, it almost went uh, erasing. You, you had a fault foot and you're, you sort of stumbled. You didn't quite start. Do you right. know what you what that looks like when you do it in your business, when you're not doing something because you're scared? So I had to figure out over years that before I can approach something I'm really scared about, I buy a lot of magazines. I start buying tons of magazines and reading them. Why? Because I think I'm searching for the answer to do this new thing. It's just a calming mechanism for me. I have nothing to do with the project. But now... <laughs> I know when I start doing that, I start looking around, okay, so what is going on in your business life that's bothering you that you're starting to bother buy these magazines? What answer you're searching for that you think that you need to have? You need to have that level of self-awareness about what you do well and about what you do not so well, about what your trend is when things are going well, about what your pattern is when things are not going well, because that's where you're going to catch yourself. If you can catch your patterns when you're not doing well, then comes to self-management. Then you can start adjusting and fixing things so that whatever that obstacle is becomes less of an obstacle because you put systems and things and people in place to help you manage past that, right? So that you don't get stopped. You realize, oh gosh, I've just got 10 magazines this week. That means that I'm really worried about this new launch. What am I worried about? Oh, that I won't get the social media out okay well heck let me just hire a va to do that because i don't like talking about myself and i know i'm not going to get it out she can do it for me to see how that works right yeah no that's that's great you need to do that and it's that's one of the things i think is so important is that self-awareness so with you being able to recognize those patterns it's it's powerful and stop yourself. And then the last one is around sort of the social awareness, like being around everybody else. One of the things I loved in that story was that she didn't mind outing herself. Like she'd made this big mistake, but she had enough internal self-confidence to say that I made this mistake and I'm willing to share it with all of you as a learning because I'm confident that that's not, the mistake is not who I am, if that makes sense. Does it? No, that makes perfect sense. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to that video of yours in the show notes too, because I thought it was really well done. It Thank was a you. great question that came up. And, and when you touched on these three points of self-awareness, self-regulation, and social awareness, I was like, wow, that's very powerful. That's that's something that people can actually apply, not just in your business, but in their life. So right. That's right. 
It just makes, I think just studying yourself a little bit makes your life a lot happier. And we're just not often called to do that. We don't have a lot of time. We're rushing from here to there. We have family. But if you could just spend a little time every day thinking about, well, how did I act this day? And is it in alignment with the way I wanted to act? Is it in alignment with the intention I had for the day? What was the learning for today? So I have a book called A Passion Planner, and it's actually just a journal that you, I'm still a paper girl. So it's a journal. <laughs> so am I. I love to write things down. Right, that you write in. But one of the great things about this particular one is that every day there's a quote. So for this week, the quote is, nothing is worth more than this day. Now, how perfect is that? Because it's true. Right. At this very moment, there's nothing more important to you than the day that you're having right now, this moment. You will not get this time back. So be in it. Be present. And use it. To its fullest. Yeah, to the fullest. To the fullest. Like someone was asking me the other day, how do you make yourself happy? Uh, twice this past week, people kind of uh, in an accusatorily way saying, like, you're the kind of person who seems like you can make yourself happy. Like, that's a bad thing. I know. That's, it's <laughs> funny how it's a negative, isn't it? Yeah. You're just too happy. Why are you always so happy? Yeah, it's like, it's a bad thing. It's like, well, here's the thing. You can, you could be doing the same. Just start appreciating what is in front of you. There's always something to make you happy every day in almost every second of the day if you will look for it. And that's what we don't do. We focus right. on the things that aren't going right. Like, you know, I could be mad that my PayPal, my pay Kickstarter is not acting right. But what's the point of that? It doesn't get me anything except frustration. I'm just going to let it resolve itself and focus on the good things like talking to you, Brian. Oh, wow. You're so sweet. Now I got to carry you in my pocket. <laughs> well done. Hey, we had, we had the same thing happen this morning. Remember when our mics weren't synced up and I couldn't hear you and... Hey, yes. c'est la vie. Here we are enjoying our conversation. It's all working out. We got That's, it figured out, or you figured it out. It was on. So that was a perfect example, right? We both could have been frustrated. We could have carried that emotion into the call. People would have heard that in our voices and that sort of compressed way you talk when you're still mad but trying not to show it. Um, <laughs> but we were. <laughs> We got past that because both of us know that it's more important to be in the moment with each other and enjoy the conversation. Definitely. So you said you call that your passion journal? Yes, yes. It's a passion journal. I love these journals. You can buy them. The story of the creator is kind of a fun one. I wish I remembered her name, but she's a graduate student and she graduated and thought, well, what am I going to do with myself now? I don't know what to do in the world. So she realized that she wanted to start doodling it out and she just started a journal and she started writing, but it wasn't just like the schedule of what I'm going to do today. It was the schedule of what I'd like to do over the course of my life, how I'd oh, like okay. to feel. And so the journal is really unique in that there's a place to doodle. There's personal projects, there's work projects. There's a reminder to write down the good things that happen to you every week. Do you do that? If you don't, you should start doing it because it's going to make your life richer. So many good things happen to us that we forget. Um, so the journal really just helps me write down the good things that happen, the people that I'm appreciating, uh, to see what I accomplished every week, to see that I actually do make a lot of progress. 
Um, and it really encourages me. So if people are feeling like they want to have a tool that they can touch every day that helps them stay aligned with their values and stay positive, I absolutely recommend the Passion Planner. And that's what it's called. It's something you can actually buy at yeah, the bookstore or Amazon? It. Yeah. Oh, it's actually on their site. So if you go to passionplanner.com, and one of the things I love about them is that when you buy one, you have the ability to give one away. Oh, I love that. Isn't that nice? That's great. Yes, yes. So for a while, I was buying these for my clients as a gift, and then you know they would gift one to somebody else. That is so cool. I love that. Yes, I will definitely put that uh, in the show notes too. So, Dina, I take it that's a ritual of yours. Is it something you do daily, like in the morning or at night, that you write in there and review it or, or what? Uh, every day, I look at the quote of the day. Every day, I wrote write down three things that I have to accomplish a day. Most people have a long to-do list. Mine is just three. Just three things. But they're the most critical things to get done that day. And often they are linked to revenue. So these are things that are going to get you revenue in the next 30, 60, or 90 days. That's how I like to think about it. Everything else after that is the gravy, baby. <laughs> the gravy. Yeah, it's That's true. I love it. It's simple. Three things. You don't have to overcompliment and have 10 things every day and stress yourself out. Right. Because if you don't do the 10 things, then you're like, well, poop. I was right. bad. I didn't get it all done. Ugh. But if I do the three things and then I do seven more things, I'm like, girl, you are golden. And the princess is happy. <laughs> and the princess is happy. That's all that matters. That's right. The princess is happy. She likes it when we get things done. So, yeah, yes. that's exactly how that works. Now, I love a concept that you called, and I don't know, it may be a real term. Mm-hmm. You can tell me. But it was complexify your identity. Yes, yes. Can I you love tell that. us what that is and how it can benefit someone? Yes, I love talking about that. So we are often so hard on each other because you go to the, we're bad. I'm bad. I did something wrong. I'm bad. Give yourself a little bit of a break. So I'll tell you the story. I was uh, going to a speaking gig in um, Denver. My first time going to Denver. So exciting. And usually when I'm going someplace to speak, I like to get there the night before, you know, to get to Get zen, get into space, see the speaking space, talk to the organizer, get prepared. So I fly into Denver the night before, and, you know, I'm getting set up, and I notice, oh, I'm not feeling so well. I'm a little sick or something. So I go down to the front desk, and I say, so I think I need some flu medicine. Can you guys help me out? They said, you're not getting the flu. What? I, I don't feel well. I think I'm sick. They're like, you are not sick. You have altitude sickness. I'm like, what is that? Because I'd never heard of it before. Like, well, because we're so high up in terms of the altitude from where you came from, you're going to be sick for about a day. Sick? Yeah, throwing up the whole nine. Wow. Wow. Yep. And I'm scheduled to give a talk the next morning. So I'm going back to my room and getting sicker as I get there, and I start thinking, how could you be so dumb? Why didn't you call ahead and check? You know, you're flying into these places. You should have known that the altitude was going to be a problem. And really just beating myself up. How, you know, tomorrow I'm going to give the worst presentation of my life. And I'm going to ruin my reputation as a keynoter. <clears throat> what, you know, what were you thinking of for me? Just beating myself up. But then I had to stop 
and complexify. And what that really means is recognizing that you are both good and bad, to put it in the simplest terms. You are, I like to say, as good as the angels and no better than the dirt. You are both those things at once. And when you can complexify and realize that those are both your identities, then when you have a boo-boo like I did, showing up and getting sick, then you can let yourself go a little bit. Because you realize, yes, you made this mistake, but there have been plenty of times when you haven't made a mistake. Yes, there have been plenty of times when you've not done the right thing, but there have been more times when you've done the right thing. And so when I was able to think to myself, okay, yeah, this was bad. This is bad. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you, tomorrow you are going to give one of the best performances that you've ever given. And why is that? Because other than not knowing that altitude sickness exists, you are as prepared as you are for all your, your performances and your presentations. You're ready to give this group what they've asked for. You can reach out to the organizer and tell her the situation so she understands where you're at and you can do the best you can do in this moment. And that is going to be more than enough, right? You can even just hear how the words sort of talk you down in a calming sense. Right, so you've been good, you've been worse. This is just one of those times. You are both those things. Complexify. See yourself in all the messiness, goodness that you are, and give yourself a break. That is so powerful, right there. Um, and and it looks like you kind of incorporate with part of the complexify is setting that intention too by telling yourself. You're going to do your best. You're going to give the best you can in this moment, in this situation. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back is, and I know it has for me throughout my life is, uh, I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist (laughs) because I always want things to be perfect and the best. And I'm starting to relax a little bit more in finding out that done is better than perfect. I heard that quote and I love that because if you do the best you can in that moment, you can always get feedback and you can always give your your customer mm-hmm. version two for free or something because they bought version one and you say, you know what? Version one was good at that time, but I've learned so much more. Here's version two, complimentary. Um, I appreciate your feedback or whatever, but yep. put it out there into the world and not waiting for it to be perfect. You know? And here's the other and little that's how, secret. What's that? That I want people to know, which is, Anybody who has this qualm about, oh, I really want to do my best, here's something you should know about yourself. It's very likely that when you say your best, if we were to quantify that, it would be at 110%, right? So even if you're giving less than your best, that's still pretty close to 100, right? Yes. So you should give yourself that break. I do that with – I'm on – eating healthier now and exercising more. So I'm trying to do that with my uh, my nutrition and my eating habits and saying, hey, instead of trying to be perfect and mm-hmm. do this and then beat myself up if I make a mistake or I didn't eat properly for one meal, no, I'm looking for 80%. Mm-hmm. I still want to enjoy every now and then going out in social situations and, and not being perfect. But yet if I'm doing 80% of the time, 
I'm going to reach my goal. I'm going to feel better and I'm going to be able to enjoy life instead of being so restricted to something that is not something I can sustain. That's right. You still have to like life. <laughs> yes. Got to enjoy it. Crazy little idea, huh? Isn't it though? But a lot of people beat themselves up and they don't take the time to enjoy it. Like you said, no. you're going from one thing to another. They have a success. Oh, but I'm, I got to go do the next thing now. I got to do the yeah. bigger goal instead of celebrating the, the wins along the way. Embracing the freedoms that you work so hard for. So that's a big theme for me. Is that I want people to, you know, you work, 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 work. What are we working for? To have time to spend with our family and friends and do the things we want. But what are we doing? Work, 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 working. We're not embracing the freedoms that we worked hard to create. If you don't ever enjoy the fact that, you know, you created a Friday off for yourself because you've organized your business so you can have those hours back and you never take them, what was the purpose? What was the purpose? Nope. Go ahead. uh, And you sort of teach your kids a a poor lesson. That's the other piece. Yes, that's true. If you never really true. enjoy the hard work, then what do they learn? And you hear sad stories about that where someone will talk about, yeah, my dad worked and he died at 42 or something of a heart attack and all he did was work his whole life and mm-hmm. they never took a vacation or spent time throwing a ball or going to a dance or whatever it be, you know? That's exactly it. You know, you don't, you want your kids to work hard. I love my kids. They are hard workers, but I made sure they also understood how to play and how to have a good time, and how to make themselves happy and entertained. So many people don't know how to entertain themselves. I mean, without the technology. (laughs) That's the key right there, what you just said, without the technology. There's a lot of people that are afraid to to sit alone with themselves and their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you mentioned in there, and and I can tell just with your personality, which I love, is you say your clients are coachable with a sense of humor. How important do you feel is humor in business? Oh, my gosh. So important. I'm constantly laughing at myself. <laughs> you just have to because otherwise, what's the alternative? To live a really stressed life, angry about what happened or didn't happen. I think just looking at the lighter side of things, particularly with clients, you know, stuff happens. If you laugh, clients will laugh. They're looking for, I often find that my clients are looking for how they should interact with me. I don't know if you find the same thing. Like sometimes they really want to be formal. And I laugh and joke and it lets them relax. It increases the bond between us. So I think that being willing to laugh and joke with your clients, especially around making a mistake, is so incredible. It's for good for them. It's good for you too. But isn't business supposed to be serious, Dina? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so serious. No, not at all. I, you know what? I love it. My clients have theme songs, and I encourage them to get them. Why? Because oh, yeah. it doesn't have to be that serious. Right? I love that. It's like the baseball players when they walk up to the plate and they play a song that represents them. That's right. Yeah. I have some hype songs that I play that make me feel great. I'm like, yes. So one of them is Just Fine um, by, oh, gosh, Mary J. Blythe is this singer. Oh, Mary when, J. When I hear that song, oh, I'm hype. I'm jumping around. I'm dancing. That is my theme song. 
that you know clients laugh about that, but you know when they get their own theme and start dancing, they're happy. You have to do things to make yourself happy and laugh. You do, and it can be simple things like that, but they're so powerful for your state. And for your health. You know, actually yeah. laughing improves your health. So if you can yes. laugh, you can walk around. Like the other thing I ask my clients to do, which they think is a little bit loopy, but it's so good for you, is take a nature bath. Go to somewhere where there's some green, lots of green. Here at Oakland, people were surprised, but we have amazing green space. And I try to get out in that at least once a week walking, hearing the quiet without any technology, the rustle of the leaves, the birds. It really just calms my entire nervous system down and resets me. So I'm encouraging people to get out and walk. Walk by the beach. Walk in the woods. Someplace where nature is at. Yes, it's so therapeutic. And do you walk with your shoes off in the grass? <laughs> I, I think I won't in, in our park because dogs are allowed. But yeah, I think um, getting your feet on the ground and like yeah. just feeling that connection is a really good thing. Yeah, I've heard it so to be grounded. We, you know, we don't have that connection to Mother Earth and stuff. We're always with our shoes and things like that. And just sometimes, right. like you said, get in nature, get barefoot, find a patch that doesn't have any dog doo doo, maybe yeah. walk in that little area, <laughs> but just feel it. In your feet and be grounded and listen to the birds and the breeze with the trees and all that great. Yeah, that's that's very therapeutic. I'm telling you, it will not only is it therapeutic, but it will solve your business problems, right? Because slowing down in that way allows your mind to relax and wander. I've gotten so many great business ideas and solutions just from walking and looking and not thinking about work. Yeah. That they bubble right up. So it's a great technique for solving problems when you just don't know what to do. Go walk in the woods. It will definitely jog something for you. Are you a meditator, Dina? I am, but I'm a bad oh. meditator. <laughs> hey, so, no, if but, you're doing it, then it's, it, keep doing it, whether yeah. it's three minutes or 20, you know? I'm just trying to encourage anybody who's like, I can't sit still. To meditate, totally me. So I I actually meditate by listening to cars passing. It soothes me out. I got to the place where I can actually identify some cars by the, their engines. But, you know, if you're the kind of person who just doesn't want to sit still, do the walking meditation. Measure the Cut out there snap. a little bit, Dina. You cut okay. out for a second there. Yep. What type of med- – what did you say you use for meditation? Oh, I, a walking meditation. So, and before you know, that, you said there was something else that you do. Was oh, it cars or something I heard you say? Yeah, or? cars. <laughs> so, oh, okay. you know what? Because it's so quiet, I can't meditate to quiet. So what I do is try to listen to the cars and count them as they're passing or listen to the tone of the car and try to figure out what kind it is. It's just another thing for my mind to gravitate towards and fix on besides, you know, work and those kinds of things. Right. Have you tried it, like any guided meditation or mantra mm-hmm. meditation? Those are great. I have a yoga program that finishes the yoga and ends with a meditation. I love guided meditation. Another good thing for people who think that they can't meditate. Right. Yeah, no, but that's Definitely spend some time doing it because studies have shown that even three minutes, just three little minutes, that's the shower, people, of meditation 
will make an improvement in your health and your well-being. I agree. Now, one of your interviews, you mentioned two important business tools, and I thought they were awesome. One of them is a real popular term, but the other one it doesn't get a lot of recognition. The one thing you said was grit, which there's a lot of research and stuff about it. But the I other thing grit. that I love, the other thing that I love even more, I think grit's important, but it, it resonates with me because this is kind of what I am, is was curiosity. Oh, yes. How important has it been for you and your business? I, not my business, my life, man. Curiosity has been the lifeblood of my entire life. Wonder about why things are, why they are not, what could be. Wondering about what could be has gotten us the future, right? Right. It's incredible to spend some time just being curious. And as adults, we don't do that enough, right? As kids, kids are so great. They are curious about everything. Remember the why stage? Why does that happen? Why is the sky blue? Well, get a little kid in you. Like that was my what? youngest son. <laughs> Mine why, too. why, 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 why? Answer the questions to that kid. But you know what? Why was the first word I ever spoke, and it still remains my best word. I ask why about everything, and I encourage other people to do it. One, it just increases the knowledge that you have, but it also increases the quality connection when you have with other people. People love to be asked to explain things, to share their expertise. It's a wonderful way to bring someone closer to you that say, I don't understand this. Could you just share that? But you know about that. So I, I love curiosity. I think that it's essential for everybody, but in particular for entrepreneurs, we're already the curious type. Let yourself be more curious and spend more time during the day and during your work week wondering, just wondering, <laughs> because yes. you're going to get some results from that. There you have it, a great prescription from Dr. Dina. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we start wrapping up here, Dina, yeah. I want to switch gears here a bit, and I want to talk about outsourcing, one of your sure. specialties, yes, yes, and specifically yes. with Fiverr. Mm -hmm. Now, you're an expert using Fiverr to outsource for your business, um, but you're also a seller on Fiverr, right? Do you still do that? I don't. Here's how I came to be a seller on Fiverr. Skepticism. I'm a lawyer. I thought, Fiverr, <laughs> you know what? I think this must be a scam. So I only become a seller to figure out how it works to see if I want to be a buyer, if that makes any crazy sense. But it was a great thing to do because what happened was I became, I like every dude, I, the way I do everything is I dived in deep, I became a seller, and I wasn't looking to sell my product, which I think I was telling people how to use Fiverr. What I was really doing was going into the seller forums and understanding what that experience was like. People don't really understand how hard it is to be a seller, how often buyers scammed them and what they're looking for. So I got really knowledgeable about all that stuff. And so it really allowed me to kind of hand pick from sellers because I could write descriptions that spoke exactly to the things that were most important to them and made them want to do my work. So Fiverr is a great platform. They're in the middle of a sea change. Did you know that? Oh, really? I did not know that. Yes, yes, yes. So they just introduced this past month something called Fiverr Pro. So folks who are maybe not so familiar with Fiverr, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly walk through how yeah, the platform ahead. works. So Fiverr started in like 
2009, uh, 2010, with two Israeli attorneys who had lots of friends who were freelancers, who had lots of excess capacity, plenty of time on their hands. And they were like, well, why is this so? We know a lot of business people who need help. We have a lot of friends who could be helping them. Why aren't they working together? So they decided to come up with Fiverr. And the original premise was that to take a lot of the hassle out of it, everything would just be $5. And in the beginning, everything was. It was like, hallelujah, $5 for graphics, $5 for whatever you wanted. Then they did, started doing multiples. So it was a multiple of $5, 5 10 15 20 Then they went to custom offers, which is the seller would propose to you to do the work, kind of like regular proposal contract work. And now they're at um, Fiverr Pro, which there's no price limit. So the seller can actually charge whatever they would normally charge. Uh, And so things are going for like thousands of dollars now. Do they still have a lot of $5 gigs? or They do. They do have okay. a lot of $5 gigs. What happens is that somebody who's newer on the platform will still use five, use the $5 model. Someone who's been experienced on the platform was using their packaging deal. So that's the other change they made. So it used to be like one gig for $5. Now you're going to see people with bundles. You're going to get a bundle of service for $25. You know, The other day I had someone help me with my Zaps. And I paid $60 for them to do three zaps for me, that kind of thing. Nice. So it's still a good platform for people to consider using. You're not going to get scammed. You just have to be pretty careful about who you select. Um, And that the selecting part is really about browsing. Browse in leisure. You know what they're saying about marry and haze, repent and leisure? Right. Well, kind of the same thing for selecting on Fiverr. Don't select in haste. The minute that you think you need somebody, you jump on there and grab the first person, you are in trouble. What you want to do is think about what your project is in advance. So a good example is I need a new LinkedIn cover. Plenty of people will do that for you. It's a kind of bundle package so you can get a LinkedIn cover, a a Facebook cover, and a Twitter cover. Usually they bundle them together. Start thinking about what kind of style you want. You want to know that before you start looking. Do you want a more industrial style? Do you want a more corporate style? Do you want a more vintage style? Think about that ahead of time. The more you can do the pre-go, what I call pre-go activities, preparing for what the seller will need to know you or have, the better it's going to be for you. Right. So if you're going to use a LinkedIn cover, you need to know what is the dimensions of the LinkedIn cover. Yes, you'd assume that the seller knows that, but you shouldn't assume. You know about the assume thing, right? Ask of you and me, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Don't assume. <laughs> so come prepared <laughs> with dimensions. Come prepared with the style that you want. And then look. I like to watch TV while I'm looking. Because mainly what I'm looking for is the visual. Does this person's visual grab my attention? Then I'm looking directly at their portfolio. Does this portfolio meet my style needs? Then I'm looking at their profile. Okay, this is how much it costs. And, of course, the reviews. If you're just starting out on Fiverr, you're not working with anybody who doesn't have five-star reviews, hasn't had over uh, like 100 gigs. But you're looking working with somebody who's established. So would you say that would be the key if someone like listening now says, yeah, I want to get some graphics done or an yep. intro to my video. So they should look for what would be, what would be your criteria to do a search like star ratings and 
gig. Yeah. Start well, here now. I'm going to tell you the big secrets. Ooh. So, ooh, you ready? You've heard so, it here on the marketer's <laughs> mindset. On the marketer's mindset. One, the first big secret is change the filter immediately. So when you're searching on Fiverr, and then say you're searching for a graphics person, Fiverr is going to present to you the people they want you to see first, which may or may not be in your interest, right? Maybe they're promoting some campaign, and so they're showing their brand new folks first, or they're featuring folks. That's fine, but I always change the relevance. On the right-hand side of the screen, there's a filter button that says relevance. Change it to anything else. Change it to top rated or most popular, and you're going to see a different listing. I always change it because I just assume they don't necessarily have my best interests at heart, and I want to see somebody else first. Then in terms of searching, don't kill yourself with searching a lot for lots and lots. One of the things that Fiverr tries to get you to do, which is a bad thing to do, is to do a public listing. They want you to put your listing in their public listing because from their perspective, it makes for a fuller pool for sellers. Like there's always gigs coming up. It's great. For you, what it will mean is that you'll get lots of unqualified people who click on your gig and bid. And then you'll spend hours searching. You know, the first time, Brian, I did on Fiverr, I'm just going to out myself on this one. So <laughs> I, I was trying to be very diligent. So I placed a public posting. 89 people within the first hour applied. Wow. So 89. So I was like, oh, crap. We have to shut this down. So I turned off the posting so it wasn't attracting more folks. But then I spent the week talking to each and every person. Because I was a Fiverr newbie, and I was doing it the way I thought it should be done, right? So right. I interviewed each person. Then I selected the five, top five. I re-interviewed them again. I selected one person. It was a week, 40 hours of work for one graphic. Wow. Totally unnecessary work. You just don't have to go through all of that. Don't do the public. What I would suggest instead is do some basic searching. Find five people that kind of fit the style that you want and you read their profile and you're like, yes. Here's the thing about reading the profile. People are pretty accurate about sharing who they are in their words. It's not so much the words they're using, although if they're using poor spelling or you know the grammar's pad, you might get a sense that their English is not their first language. But usually they're trying to show you how they think about problems. So I read the profile pretty hard. What did you choose to tell me? What did you leave out? How did you tell that to me? What's most important to you? And how does that align up with the way I think she should go, right? So you're looking to see, well, are they a good fit? Are they detailed? Because I'm detailed. Or are they detailed because I'm not so detailed, right? You're looking for those kinds of things. Then you're going to invite those five people to the job. It's not a public posting. You're going to post it and invite them to your job so you have more control. You're going to say yes or no. And sometimes people actually say no. The other day I posted a research job and nobody said yes. And the reason was why is because I, the price I was offering was just too low. And it was kind of one of those where you're going to test the water things. Like I had right. a, a number in mind, which is what I recommend that you have. Have a number in mind that you're willing to spend. And I put my number out there and people were like, no, heck no. <laughs> Come back <laughs> when you double that. 
right? And so that's how you learn. Like that kind of work was not going to be worth seventy five dollars. It was really a two hundred dollar job, and I was just trying to cheap out. And the market right. told me that. No, that's great. And you need to test and just like you said right there, just hey, it's it didn't cost you anything to do it, but yet you knew that, hey, I'm not gonna be able to get this job done for this price that I want. I gotta be and what more that more really realistic. meant was that I had to move to Upwork. So just to, just I know and we weren't planning to talk about this, but now I'm passionate and I'm going. Uh, <laughs> She's fired up. I'm fired up. So the thing about it is knowing the to be on the right platform. So Fiverr is great for Things that are going to be disposable, temporary, fast turnaround. For something that you're going to use over and over again in your business, it's branding. Like, I will do a LinkedIn cover on Fiverr, but if there's something more that I need to do with branding or design, then I'm going to use Upwork. And Upwork is where you're going to have a better ongoing relationship. The platform is just set up better that way. They have a workroom diary so you can track the person's work from their computer to make sure they're actually working. You can communicate with them. You can actually talk to them by Skype, either video or phone. So you can have a real relationship and talk to your person. The other day, remember I mentioned the Zap thing? Yes. So that this is on fire. This is how cool this guy was. I need some help with some Zaps. Because he thought I might not understand the help that he gave me, he asked me to jump on Fiverr and we screen shared and he walked me through the changes like that's an oh, extra wow. that's a bonus he didn't have to he just wanted me to understand how it worked um and i really really appreciate that so you're going to find quality people on both the platforms um so don't let anybody tell you it's just terrible folks that's not true if you search for quality you will find quality because i did that's good to hear so what stops people from outsourcing then dina oh you know <clears throat> the big three. Oh, it won't be done right if I don't do it myself. How could I trust somebody else? Or it takes too long to tell somebody else how to do this. I can have it done myself by the time I explain it. And last but not least, I just can't afford it, which is kind of the worst excuse of all because it's I'm guilty often... of that one, so. <laughs> okay, well, let me tell you what I tell people for that one, Talk then, my me. friend. Preach to me. Help me out here, Dina. <laughs> okay. When you say you can't afford it, that's actually not true. What is true is that you can't afford not to outsource. The hours and the energy that you put into learning to do some things that really are not your genius work are not worth it. It's a distraction that keeps you from your mission. And when you're delayed from your mission long enough, it is denied. I'll just say that again. When you are delayed from your mission long enough, it is denied. That's how people get out of business. Right? Yes. They spend all their time and energy and money doing all the things that are learning the things they think that they need to learn to have a business, which they don't, because they don't want to pay somebody else. But it's just wasting your own energy. I'd rather you spend the 20 bucks to have someone do the LinkedIn um, banner on Fiverr than get the Canva program and figure it out yourself. Because it's not going to be just the 15 minutes that it takes you to figure it out. Brain science tells us that it's actually going to be two hours because of something called context switching. So that when you move from one task to another, your brain will move 
But it's kind of like, oh, that hurt. I got to move back to the other thing. Oh, that hurt. And it takes time to shift from one thing to the other. You actually lose a whole bunch of time where the brain is trying to figure out, like, what are we talking about now? So you don't want to do that. Right. Outsource the stuff that is not your genius. And here's the other part of that, which people sometimes forget or maybe don't forget and do it on purpose, which is even the stuff that you're really good at, you should outsource. If it's not primarily meeting your goals in your business. So again, with the graphics, if you're somebody who likes to do graphics, you love hanging on Canva, it's fun for you. You get a lot of psychic yummies out of that. You're just wasting your time. Have somebody else do it so it's done so you can focus on only the things that you can do, right? Those, those are the things that you have to do. Everything else is something that somebody else can do for you and it's worth the money. If people say, oh, I can't afford it, start small. You know, a lot, 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month to start outsourcing something. For instance, we'll, I'll just yeah, say Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that. What, what if someone doesn't have a lot of money, like you said, maybe they got 50 or 100. What would you recommend to them to start doing so they can get comfortable outsourcing? And, and what would be some good maybe priorities for them to outsource to free up their time? Yep. The first thing that comes to mind right away is social media. Why? Because nobody loves to do that themselves. They say they're going to, but you know, it's like, oh, curating that content. Oh, creating that image. Oh, posting. I got to do that. That's something that somebody else can do for you. So I have a Pinterest and a social media manager because Pinterest is very hot, y'all. Lots of traction on Pinterest, but I did not want to learn Pinterest. That's not my genius work. So I hired somebody who is a genius at Pinterest. She creates all my boards. I started with like 11 followers. I think I have like over 500 or however that works on Pinterest. Every nice. day I get follows and saves and pins. Not me doing it, right? That's her. And it's worth the hundred bucks I pay to have that happen on a monthly basis. Why? It's increased my visibility tremendously and my authority. People who I don't even know reached out to me on Pinterest. So it was well worth doing it. That's something that you spend 100 bucks on, you're going to get a lot of return. Because if I was paying more attention to the Pinterest, I'd be posting even more and reaching out to people. It's one of those places where you kind of have to connect with folks. Same thing with Instagram. You know, oh, yeah. You're going to get more of a bang out of your buck if you have somebody else consistently do it for you. It's an expense, but you're going to get the revenues back. Right. I love that. And now you were gracious enough, too, that you were going to share with our audience here that what you have a personalized instruction sheet for outsourcing your social media I that you were going to give away? I do. So I would love to give everybody two sheets. One is a, the five reasons to outsource sheet. And it's a great sheet because if you have any concerns over outsourcing, like the ones we just talked about, like it won't get done right or I can't afford it, this sheet will help you address it. And then there's also an infographic on how to outsource. It's not a complicated process, but there's some steps that you definitely want to go through to make sure that you're selecting the right person, they've done the pre-go and have everything that your talent will need to do a great job for you, and that you've been clear. That's the place where most people fall down. 
is writing their job posting. You know what you mean, but somebody else might not. So you have to write so that somebody else can use your instructions and clearly follow them. Perfect. That's going to be a big help. I appreciate you giving that to everybody. That's that's My awesome. Pleasure. We'll have that linked in the show notes. Final Ooh. question for you, Dina. Yeah. What final message would you want the mindset listeners to truly get about building and running a successful and sustainable online business? What kind of final message would you want to get across to them to wake them up or to realize? Well, I want them to really think about my story as being cautionary tale for them. That as an entrepreneur, you have the ability to create the life that you want. And that is a big thing, right? It can be a very scary thing for some people because when you're in charge of creating, what happens if you create something you don't want? But I don't want people to be afraid of that because as we talked about earlier, you can always iterate. You can always change. So I'd rather people think about taking control of your life as an entrepreneur. Instead of feeling like things are happening to you, make your obstacles optional. Set your intention for what you want your life, your business life, to feel like to you. If you want it to feel good, if you want it to feel joyful, if you want it to feel happy and nurturing and satisfying, those things can all be true, but you have to plan for them and work towards them, which means including some piece around mindset or emotional intelligence in every part of your workday. Really give yourself a chance to appreciate your successes, because if you don't, who else will? Slow down and stop and think about what you're creating for yourself and your family. Because you have the ability and the power to make the life that you want. So do that. Embrace the freedoms that you work so hard to create for yourself. That's what I would want people to do. It's beautiful. I love that message. Now, how can our folks reach out and connect to you? What's the best way? I would love to talk to everybody. You know, one of the things I said that I would love to offer your listeners is if another people, thing. Yeah, if people want you to sit so down, and listen to it's like Christmas. It is. I like giving. So, if anybody besides the two forms, if anybody wants to sit down with me for a complimentary consultation, I'm happy, happy to do that. Crystal, I mean, sorry, Brian will put the note in the show links and. I'm happy to talk about how you can make your business work for you and be sustainable. Love it. That is so generous of you. That's, and I highly recommend you guys. You've, you've heard our conversation today. Follow up on Dina. Go to you know, outsourceeasier.com and look her up there. Check out her social media. Follow her. You, you know she's got a great personality. She's warm. She's giving. She's authentic. And you guys are going to learn a lot. So definitely follow up with her. So I just want to take the time to thank you, Dina, and tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. You've shared so much stuff and what I love and, and what I try and do on the show is to get actionable things that the listeners can actually take away and 
right after listening to this, they can start implementing in their business and their life to be better at both. And you gave so much actionable stuff today. Um, I'm glad we got to touch on some of the Fiverr stuff because you have so much good information on that as well. But I appreciate you sharing your story, um, the good and the bad, the times yeah. you were vulnerable, um, sharing your MS, which you haven't been really public a lot about. I really appreciate you sharing that because people need to know that when you get diagnosed with a health issue that you still can go and live your dream life. You know, sure there's going to be challenges and things to overcome and you may have to do things differently, but Dina's really set it up. She, she doesn't preach outsourcing and, and things of that nature. She does it and she's able to live a life that works with her health and her family and all that stuff because she does what she talks about. So she's applied that knowledge and she's been gracious enough to share her beautiful message and her wisdom and knowledge of all these years. And I hope you guys have taken notes. If not, go back and re-listen to this episode because there's just so many good nuggets of things that she shared in here. And I just want to thank you again and let you know that I appreciate you, Dina. You know, Brian, it's me who should be appreciating you. I love that your mission is to help entrepreneurs really get to a mindset that helps them do their best and appreciate themselves. Your positivity is just off the charts, and you know how much I love that. I'm oh, sure. I know. That's why I love to, I couldn't wait yeah. to connect with you because I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. It won't be the only time that we talk to each other for sure. And of course, no. you know, whatever I can do for you, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here, man. I appreciate that. And the same goes here. However, I can support you. I'm Good. there for you. And I look for a, a nice long friendship. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Great. Thanks so okay, much. Guys. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you guys and love you guys for tuning in each and every week. Um, I hope you got a lot of value from this because I sure did. This has been great. And until next time, I wish you guys a brilliant life. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really and truly appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about developing a strong, successful mindset, then go ahead and subscribe by clicking the I'm in button below this podcast. Each week I try to deliver great content that you can learn and apply immediately to help develop a better mindset so you can build a great online business and hopefully a better life. So if you like what we're trying to do here at The Marketer's Mindset, then help us spread the message and give us a rating and review on iTunes so we can help more online marketers. Lastly, I want to hear from you. So if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or an online marketer that you would like us to interview, then send me an email to brian at themarketersmindset.com. Thanks again. I love you guys. And until next week, take care, and I wish you a brilliant life.